Welcome back to another episode of the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gorski, and in this week's episode, I want to talk about uh, two things. They're both related to autism, and they're both very, very, very misunderstood. The first is sensory processing disorder, and the second is meltdowns. Uh, and then I want to expand on the meltdowns a little bit and kind of help you understand the differences between a meltdown and a tantrum. Uh, that's a really confusing thing. A lot of people conflate the two, and they're not at all the same. So we'll, we'll maybe clear up some of that confusion. And then a bit later, we'll talk to my youngest son, who deals with sensory issues on a daily basis. He wanted to share some of his insight and personal experience to help us better understand what it's like to live with sensory processing disorder. So that'll be really cool. Uh, and again, you can subscribe to us on you know your favorite uh, podcasting app. And uh, I guess we'll get to it. I want to go ahead and start with uh, sensory processing disorder, or SPD, uh, because it, it, it really is hard for people to understand k- kind of what it is and sort of the mechanics behind it. But essentially, uh, someone with SPD, uh, their brain does not interpret sensory input properly, or, or it, it misinterprets uh, or, or doesn't receive properly uh, the sensory input, and so somebody who is dealing with SPD uh, would would often hear, taste, smell, see, feel everything all at the same time, and it becomes very overwhelming to them. Um, you know, a common analogy that you hear is 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 you know, a person with sensory processing disorder will walk into a room, uh, and there's people having a conversation. There's a TV on. There's a radio playing in the background, there's cars outside, there's a train going on the tracks down the road. Uh, the person with sensory processing disorder uh, will hear all of those things, experience all of those things at the same time, and it becomes very distracting and very overwhelming. Uh, they have no ability to sort of filter the individual things out and focus on, on one thing, uh, so it becomes it becomes something that, that overwhelms them very quickly. And it leads to something called overstimulation. And overstimulation is, is, is basically just uh, a point that where, where someone reaches when they have absorbed or taken in as much sensory input as they possibly can, and their bodies just can't process it anymore. And, and, and they just sort of uh, shut down, they overload. Uh, and, and, and a common side effect of, of overstimulation is a meltdown. And uh, it's the body's way of involuntarily purging all, all of the stress, the anxiety, everything that's associated with that overstimulation, and, it, and it's just a purge. It just unloads it because they don't know what else to do. Uh, it's one of the reasons why later on I want to talk about meltdowns versus tantrums a little bit because it's important that we understand that they are very, very different things uh, and should be treated differently. Uh, so, but But, you know, commonly... You know, kids with autism will experience sensory processing disorder uh, is, is a comorbid diagnosis. Not everybody gets it, uh, and, and you don't have to have autism to, to deal with sensory processing disorder. Uh, but it's, it's just a common uh, comorbid diagnosis. But a lot of things, like in my family, uh, and, and what I hear commonly from other parents, are, are usually issues surrounding food, um, you know, 
taste, texture, smell, uh, color, um, presentation, sort of things like that, that that sort of dictate what their child will or will not eat. Um, clothing is, is another big one. Um, usually the most common f- that I hear are shoes and socks. It's one of the ones that we struggle with the most. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's different for everybody. So everybody may have uh, struggles that are, I guess, maybe more significant in one area than another. And, and everybody's different, just, just like everybody with autism is different. Uh, but there are some sort of commonalities. Uh, and, and those are those are kind of the things that, that we hear a lot about uh, in regards to kids with autism. So, um, you know, Emmett does a really good job of talking about some of these things in the next segment. So what I want to do is just sort of cut this off here and uh, kind of introduce what we're going to, what we're going to do in the next segment. I'm going to kind of talk to Emmett a little bit about uh, his, the, the issues, the struggles that he has with food and, and then talk about some of the issues with clothing and, and, and he'll explain kind of how it feels and and what the actual struggle itself is about for him, and, and hopefully it'll help you gain some some insight into uh, kind of what people with SPD are experiencing, because it, it is a very real thing. Uh, it's it's not something that's easily understood, but it is very impactful uh, in in that person's life, and and it can affect every aspect of their life. So stay tuned and. Uh, you're going to hear from Emmett. And we're back. Uh, as I promised earlier, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking to my youngest son, Mr. Emmett. Uh, he lives with a lot of sensory issues uh, that sort of make his life challenging in some areas. Uh, so without further ado, say hello. hello. That's Emmett. Emmett is 10 years old, and uh, I've known him a very long time. 10 years. <laughs> he doesn't think that's... That's a dad joke. He doesn't think it's funny. Anyhow. Well, 10 and a half years. Because you'll be... Yeah, you're, you're getting up there. You're getting up there. Uh, but what Emmett wanted to do... Emmett, Emmett asked if he could talk about uh, some of the sensory issues uh, in this podcast because he knew this is what we we're going to be talking about today. And he wanted to share a little bit of his insight and, and help kind of explain how the sensory things impact him, which can in turn help you understand maybe how it impacts somebody in your life. Uh, so let's start with clothes. I thought we were starting with food. Oh, we're going to start with food. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. I forgot about that. See, everything's in order. Food. 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 All right. Uh, Emmett. I have a feud. <laughs> Emmett has a, a very problems. limited... It's yeah. Not, it's not... We would call them feeding problems. Yeah. But it's, wh- it, um, it's like sen- I have sensory issues that limit what I like to eat. Like, can't eat vegetables because they're bland and crunchy at the same time. So it's like you're crunching on nothing. And it's just annoying. Because if they had taste, it'd be amazing. Potatoes but- are amazing because they're soft. And they have flavor. Well, but you, but I guess the the, the the issue is texture, right? You don't like the yeah. texture of the vegetables, uh-huh. and then things taste different to you than they would taste for people who maybe don't have the sensory issues. And so, if something tastes off to you, it's going to taste like disgusting, right? Uh-huh. Is that is that fair? Yeah. 
um, you wanted to bring up the analogy uh, of the two bags of chicken nuggets. Remember, yeah. Emmett, Emmett, for the longest, for the longest <laughs> time, if you if you have read our story uh, at theautismdad.com, we've been documenting our lives for the last ten years or so. Um, one of the biggest things that Emmett would eat were Tyson chicken nuggets. It, it had to be Tyson. It had to be the same bag. The bag had to look the same. The colors had to be the same. He was very particular about it. And and there would be times that we would buy chicken nuggets and he wouldn't like them. And he would say they taste funny. Now, if I would taste it, it tasted like chicken nuggets to me. But then we would go buy another bag and 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 he would try that and it would taste the way that he was expecting it to taste. Yeah. And then he'd be fine. But then we would secretly put a chicken nugget from the bag that he didn't like into uh, whatever his lunch was that day. So so he had one in there just to see if maybe if he could really taste the difference. Yeah. And he would pick out the chicken. He would eat the chicken nugget and be like, this doesn't taste right. I can't eat it. And and what we figured out what was happening was he, he was actually tasting a diff, like the difference in the batches. Like maybe the, the seasoning was off a little bit. The batter. Or the, bre- the breading. Was it the breading? was a little bit different. And so while most people like, wouldn't even begin yeah. to notice the difference, sometimes he can taste the difference. Sometimes it had too much breading. Sometimes it didn't have enough seasoning. Sometimes it didn't ha- have enough meat. Like I've had I've had a perfect chicken nugget, like a really good chicken nugget. Yeah. It's like filled with meat and the perfect amount of breading. Then I've had nuggets where it's like, why? It's just like a centimeter, like just not even a millimeter more breading, but it ruins the whole chicken nugget. Like, well, the, the point is, is, is that the inconsistencies from batch to batch, uh, you can taste them, and 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 we like, we sort of didn't believe that at first. We thought it was something else, but then we did these these like double blind tests over time, and he could pick them out all the time, and and so that became frustrating. You actually don't eat chicken nuggets anymore, do you? No. He, yeah, he, he won't eat I them anymore. I swapped over to beef. He's, I swapped over to the life of beef. <laughs> Emmett, Emmett, he loves saying the word beef. But he, he has recently, within the last few years, uh, really kind of gone full bore into eating beef. Steak, but it has to be cooked to where it's not chewy. Yeah. It's, it's got to sort of fall apart in his mouth. And so when that was kind of hard to do, uh, we discovered recently, probably within the last six months or so roast roast yeah because it falls apart and, and he really likes the roast uh so we do that as often as we can um and then there's things like uh like the mac and cheese right like you don't like the the regular mac and cheese cups yeah because the powdered that, cheese yeah you don't like the texture of the powdered cheese but no. he'll eat the Velveeta and cheese uh because it's got a different texture and so there's no because the cheese has like it's actual creamy cheese like it's not powder it like it doesn't have a chance of having this like grainy bitter taste so it's so it's a texture thing and yeah. then a taste thing well why don't we why don't we sort of explain some of the things that you're sensitive to um taste is a big one like you'll taste things that most people can't right you're very sensitive to taste. Same with crunch. Texture. That's texture. Yeah, crunch. Um, like smell. There's times where you'll be like, "Oh my gosh, it smells disgusting," and and you're the only one that can smell it. Um, color, right? Uh-huh. Sometimes the color can affect whether you whether you'll eat something or not. 
and you don't like your food to touch? No. Heck no. Heck no. Heck no. Heck no. <laughs> Burn it with fire with the flamethrower. Burn it every, with the sun. Every time we have to, every time we go out to eat, we always have to get, like if he orders, if if he orders like like a breakfast platter or something and it comes with multiple different items, each item has to be put on a, on a separate plate. And most of the time, the, the people in the restaurant are, are very willing to do that. And nobody, I don't think anybody's ever given us a hard time. Yeah. But what is it about, uh, why does it have to be on separate plates? Because, like, once it touches, I can taste oh, the other yeah. food that, touch, that touched it. And so it's like, it just ruins it. Like, if there's a nice steak. Like cross-contamination. Yeah, like eggs. If eggs touch it, it's mm-hmm. like, all I can taste is the eggs now. Okay. And you eat, you'll eat eggs sometimes, but they have to be pure yellow, right? Like they can't have any white. Because the white's bland and the yellow's too strong. And so it has to be, it has to be the right color or you won't, Yeah. you won't eat it. And that's, that's not easy to do. We've tried that. Um, What else do we want to talk about as far as food goes? Well, we could also say, you know, that that uh, as much as we try, a balanced diet is 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 very challenging to to find with sensory issues uh, because <sighs> that was a really nice yawn. Um, and so, you know, it, it is, it is, it is a real problem and it does, it does impact in, in real ways. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just him being a picky eater. He literally, he, he would rather not eat than, than have something that is sensory offensive to him. So, you know, the message that Emmett has really is, is when we were talking about this earlier, you just want people to know that it's real yeah, and that it, that it does impact people and that it's not just, you're not, you're not being difficult or, or mm-hmm. trying to, uh, whatever. So. So thank you for talking about the food stuff. All right. So we've talked about food. Now we're and, moving on to clothing. Yeah, it's, let's, let's move on to clothing. There were a couple things with clothing that we wanted to really focus on. Uh, shoes and socks and shirts are very yeah. challenging for you. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to explain why shirts are, are so difficult for you to wear. The seams. The seams? Yeah. That's a common theme. Well, I'm seam. <laughs> the seam and the seam. <laughs> uh, that you that I hear from a lot of parents or a lot of even adult uh, autistics who uh, you know talk about some of their sensory challenges and, and seams are like the bane of their existence. Tags on the back of shirts are another one. Yeah. I can't tell you how many how many shirts you know we have. Anytime we get a shirt, the first thing it's got to come off are the tags. Well, anything really, <laughs> pants, jackets, yeah. everything. You got to have the tags. You, you can't have tags on them. I can't. We really liked when they started stamping or printing the tags on the material itself on the back of the shirts. But the material seems. That, what about the material? Um. Sometimes they just make it too rough. Sometimes it's like some so like cotton. You don't like cotton, like like the shirt you're wearing right now is. Probably like a cotton mix. It's pretty. It's like not too rough. You, you seem to like the shirts that are like dry fit. Like like you'd get like if you ever run a marathon or you, you do a race. No. You don't like those? I thought you liked those. We're not um, talking microfiber. We're talking. Like. 
Like your um, Everlast shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that's but dry fit. They hide the seams. Most dry fit shirts. Oh, it's the seams. Yeah. See, I thought you liked the material. I didn't yes, realize it was and the, the material. I didn't realize it was the... Dry, most dry right. fit shirts can't hide the seams. They just can't. They can't hide it with the material like that. Okay, so so basically the seams and then the texture of the material. Yeah. Right. What about shoes and socks? Because shoes have been an ongoing issue and socks for your entire life. Yes. Like up until f- the last few years. Uh, fourth and fifth, fourth. Well, before before school, you wouldn't even wear shoes. You wouldn't wear socks. You wouldn't wear anything on your feet. And as you started getting into school, you had to have something on your feet. And I think you started with flip-flops, or you eventually did flip-flops. No, I had to start with shoes. They didn't know, really know what was going on because I was yeah. a new student, so I had to wear shoes. And we had shoes. to get exceptions so that you could wear flip-flops. And then you moved to Crocs, but never socks. No, before Crocs, we did water shoes. Okay, water shoes. And then... Then Crocs. Crocs. Then Crocs with socks. Yeah. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Crocs and socks. <laughs> and and then... Uh, Slot, um, slip-on shoes. Well, yeah. Then then after years and years... And, and we have bought dozens of pairs of shoes. Uh, bought isn't a word. We've bought... Dozens of pairs of shoes and I don't know how many packages of socks over the years. <laughs> a lot. Um, and then we finally I'm found sorry, shoes. No, you're not about. sorry at the same time. You shouldn't be sorry because it's not your fault. Um, but we finally found consistently that has worked and it's the Skecher slip-ons. And you'll wear the, the Skecher socks, right? Yeah. Uh, and... What is it about socks that, that bother you the most? Unlike the toe part, where it's like the part that covers your toe, and the part that's that's most likely the darkest, and that has the logo on it, where they reinforce the yeah. the toes. Oh, the 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 seam that they have there. Yeah, yeah. They have to make it like super, like. Let's see. Like I, all of my socks have those. I don't feel it, but you feel it, and it drives you crazy. Yes. Yeah. And I what can't. what about shoes? Like what 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 made your the sketchers that you're wearing, what made them okay? First off, like if there was um a choice between um I'd kill for socks that didn't have any seams and they were perfect. Well we have well, we wouldn't kill for that, but I get yes, your point. I would. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'd seam, go full on socks. Jason. <laughs> Seamless socks, um, seamless socks. They're not truly seamless. Yeah, they have think. the they still on have the a side. seam, and that still bothers you. So we've tried that, and while it works for a lot of people, it just doesn't work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're 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 good with the Skecher socks for some reason, and so we just roll with it. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So what what are the things that we have done to help you with this over the years? Um, as I said before, water shoes. Well, no, no, let's, what I mean is how have we helped you to deal with this? What are the, some of the things that we, that you've done? Remember we talked, we were talking about 
um, occupational therapy and physical therapy and things like uh -huh. speech. Like speech helped you to, to, to better tolerate different types of foods, which is weird because I never thought, I had no idea speech did that, but that is something that speech does is they help with feeding problems. Uh, occupational therapy helped you learn to tolerate your socks a little bit better and, yeah. and clothing items. Not because we wanted to force you into anything, no. but because there are some situations where you just don't have a choice. Yeah. Uh, and so it helped you to adapt to those types of things. And I think it, it was, you had a lot of fun, didn't you? You really enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, he got to the point where he sort of, the, the, you know, he, had, he did so well that there was nothing left for them to do. And so we take a break. And then they reevaluate him uh, and, and see if maybe he needs to keep working on things. But but you've been doing really well. You have, you know, you're now wearing shoes and socks consistently when you have to. Um, and uh, you do really well. You've got clothes that you wear. We just, we just have sort of, it's taken a while to sort of narrow down the types of clothing that works for you. But I think, I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to say before we... Um, I don't know. Are, are, are sensory issues very real? They're not just people making things up, right? Heck no. It's a very real life. Yes. It's a very real life thing. And, it's and everyone should understand that. Like. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And if, it's hard, it's hard if when you're you... a parent and your kid, like, you, they have sensory issues, just. Try and ask them, like, what, what don't you like? Because that really helped me. That really helped me to understand that there's other foods that I could eat. Like, um, and, like, your, um, if there's any parents, again, um, they might, you might have any ideas that, like, like, I have problems with the mac and cheese. Like, Mom told me about the Velveeta. And so you tried that? Yeah. And that, and that, was, that ended up being something yeah. that you could do. And so it, it's real, and you don't want to give up. And, and parents need to be patient with their kids, right? Mm -hmm. Because as frustrating as it, as it is for me as a parent, right? trying to get you to eat yeah. or trying to trying to buy you shoes or something it's so much harder for you than it is for us mm -hmm. you know so that's that's a very important message i think that you know we have to be patient and understanding and we have to work with our kids to help them uh navigate the world when they have sensory problems and that's that's not an easy thing to do so i really appreciate you talking to us and i'm sure you'll be on episodes as we go forward yeah is there anything else you wanted to say quickly that's appropriate before we sign off? <laughs> we have to be careful because you don't always have appropriate things to say. No more, Jason. Okay, yeah. I don't even know where you got that. Jason. Is, what is it, from a commercial or something? Yeah. You've never seen that. We don't let, they don't watch movies like that. No. He just knows because from like there's commercials. Like, um, an episode, I think there's like a commercial where... Jason's coming up behind someone, oh. and he's like about to slash the head off, and oh, that, then that, yeah, but he was like talking about um like car insurance 
And Jason was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Oh. There's the other stuff like that, too. On blah 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 blah. Oh, <laughs> so, so you oh so you're talking yeah. about like that? It's like a Geico commercial. Or yeah. Something? Okay. Yeah, I was just say we don't. They do not watch those kinds of no. movies. So no. Anyhow, thank you, and I look forward to having you on again. Yeah. Bye. All right. Uh, as I mentioned in in the uh, introduction. One of the other things I wanted to talk about today is the differences between meltdowns and tantrums. It's important to understand what a meltdown is uh, in order to understand why it's different from a tantrum. So basically, a meltdown is an involuntary act uh, that, that a child or an adult with autism will experience when they have become overstimulated. Uh, we talked about it in the previous segment um, about overstimulation where where a person takes in too much stimulus and their body just is overwhelmed uh it 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 bogs down like it can't process anything else and the only thing it has to do is purge and that purge is what we see as a meltdown um you know meltdowns can range you know a variety of different behaviors everybody may experience meltdown differently but but to the uneducated person uh, or someone who's not familiar with the differences, it'll look a lot like a tantrum. It'll look a lot like someone throwing a fit because they're not getting their way or, you know, something along those lines. When in reality, that person that's, that's experiencing a meltdown is in distress. They are in pain um, and they need compassion. They need their space. They need time to sort of go through the process of unloading. And, and, and then we can begin to rebuild afterwards. Uh, meltdowns can happen at inopportune times. Uh, I, I've been doing this for almost 20 years, and I, I have had more than my share of meltdowns in public places with my kids. And it's just sort of something that happens. I mean, uh, you know, you don't discipline a meltdown. You don't punish a child for having a meltdown. You just, you, you provide them what they need to work through it. You give them their space. You show them compassion and, and you just sort of let it work itself out. You know, make sure everybody's safe and things like that, but it just has to sort of run its course. Uh, a tantrum is, is much different. A tantrum is a willful act meant to manipulate behavior. So a child is at the store, they ask mom and dad for a candy bar or a toy, mom and dad say no, child throws a fit. That fit or, or, or that tantrum is meant to manipulate the parent into giving them what they want. And as the parent continues to resist giving them what they want, that tantrum may escalate. They may go from screaming to uh, stomping their feet or throwing things out of the cart or rolling around on the ground. Uh, I mean, that's a tantrum, you know, and, and, and if a parent caves in and gives the kid what they want, the kid can shut it off like that and, and they just move on like nothing happened. That's a tantrum that can be a disciplinary problem. I mean, it's a normal part of life for kids as they develop, but, but that's something that you can, you can, you know, find ways of, uh, showing your kids better ways of coping with things than, than tantrums. You know, I mean, everybody has a different view on what you do, uh, but you can discipline a tantrum. You, you can 
not reward that type of behavior, I guess is a better way to put that. So you don't reward, you know, a child for having a tantrum. But a meltdown is is different. And what happens very often is, uh, you know, people will witness a child experiencing a meltdown in a public place, maybe a grocery store or a restaurant or something like that. And they assume that this is a disciplinary issue. And they don't understand why the parents can't control their kid, why they can't get their kid to stop screaming. Uh, You know, why is this kid making a scene? It's driving me crazy. And sometimes people are ballsy enough to say something. Uh, And sometimes uh, what they say is not very nice. It's very hurtful. It's very ignorant. It's very uh, just awful, the things that I've heard. Uh, And I hear from other parents. It's, It's a very common thing, you know. You need to discipline your kid. If that were my kid, a good whooping would, would, you know, get them in line or, you know, something along those lines because they don't understand what they're seeing, Uh, you know, and they make assumptions that you're a bad parent or your kid's a spoiled brat. And that just isn't the way it is. Uh, So it it is, it's very frustrating. It's very disheartening. It's very demoralizing to deal with those things, you know, and, and as a parent, it's stressful just to watch your child go through a meltdown because you know what they're experiencing, like, like you know about what they're experiencing. It's hard to understand unless you are, are actually experiencing the overstimulation. So I don't want to claim to have knowledge of that on, on a first-hand basis because I don't. But I know what it's like to see my kids in distress. And I know how painful it is for me as a parent to know that they're in distress and there isn't anything I can do to help them aside from helping them work through it, helping them work through the meltdown, trying to make sure that they stay safe, trying to limit any other type of anything that could cause them more distress. You know, um, when my kids are melting down, they don't want to be touched. They don't want to be talked to. Uh, we just sort of, you know, try and keep the area as safe as we can. If we have to, you know, for safety reasons, we may move them to a different location. Um, but you can't, I mean, talking them through it isn't something that's, usually possible you know you're you're you could be talking to them directly and they have they're not even paying attention to what you're saying they don't hear anything they're not paying attention they are just purging they're on overload you know and, and so it's again it's 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 a much different animal than than a tantrum and i i really wish people would take the time to understand the difference and i wish that we would not use the terms interchangeably i think that's a large part of the problem we use tantrum and meltdowns interchangeably, and, and, and that really sends the wrong message, uh, you know, to, to the general public. And, and so, you know, I really, I really hope this has helped you to sort of understand the difference. Uh, again, a meltdown is an involuntary act. Uh, you know, it's, it's a person who has been overstimulated. It's their body just releasing all of that anxiety and, and energy and whatever that's, that's built up as a result of the overstimulation. A person who is having a tantrum is, is trying to manipulate someone else's behavior in order to get something that they want or something that was taken away. It is a willful act. It is a very common thing, especially in young children. Most of the time they outgrow it. You know, it, it can be a disciplinary thing. Uh, you know, you don't want to reward a tantrum. Uh, but again, they're very different things. So please keep that in mind when you see somebody in public who who may be experiencing something like that, 
don't just assume that it's, a, you know, a, a kid uh, just throwing a fit because they're not getting their way. That child may be in distress, and those parents are probably struggling along with their child because they know their child's in pain. And negative comments or hurtful comments, ignorant comments, all that does is make it worse, and it makes it harder uh, for, for that family. And, and and so just keep that in mind. Don't don't judge people. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's behind, uh, you know, the actions that you're seeing. You don't know what's beneath the surface. So don't don't judge. You know, offer a smile. Sort of let them know, hey, you know what? It's okay. Is there anything we can do to help? Things like that are very positive. And, and can make, I'm telling you, like, like a kind comment can make all the difference in the world to a parent like me, uh, when, when we're in a moment that, uh, you know, we're vulnerable, you know, our our child's in distress, they're making a scene. There's nothing we can do about it. It's not the kid's fault. It it just, it just is what it is. And, And someone showing compassion can, can mean everything. So please keep that in mind uh, going forward. I really appreciate your time, guys. Uh, Thank you again for for tuning in. I want to thank Emmett uh, for um, taking the time to talk to us about sensory uh, processing disorder and how it impacts his life. Uh, I want to try and involve all of my kids and, and my wife in, in episodes as, as we go forward. I have a couple of ideas that I'm looking at doing. So, again, uh, you can subscribe to the Autism Dad podcast on every major app. You can find me at theautismdad.com. All of my social media links and stuff are at the top of the page. So hit me up if you need anything. Outside of that, I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. <laughs>